our series called Follow Me, we've been looking at the life, the teachings, the miracles of Jesus through the eyes of the disciples. And we've been going through his life. And over the past couple of weeks, we actually witnessed the betrayal of Jesus, the arrest of Jesus, Peter's denial of even knowing Jesus. We went with him as he was crucified, as he was then buried, dead. And then on the third day, he rose from the grave and he appeared to a woman by the name of Mary Magdalene and he told her to go and tell the others what he had said to her. So we've seen a lot of these miracles. And then last week, we were with the disciples as they went back to Galilee. All of these events at the death of Jesus and the resurrection took place in Jerusalem. But then the disciples were told to go wait in Galilee. And that's where we found them last week. Remember when Peter decided as they waited, he said, I'm going to go fishing. And six others must have thought that was a pretty good idea. And so seven of them went out and fished. We remember the story that they caught nothing that entire night. And then a stranger from the shoreline told them to cast their nets on the other side. And then a miraculous catch of fish that they couldn't even bring in. John realized it was Jesus. Peter jumped over the, the, the boat, swam all the way to the shoreline because Jesus had prepared breakfast for them on the shore. And that's where we picked up with them as Jesus, after breakfast, at some point took Peter on a walk. And he asked Peter, remember three times, do you love me? And Peter said, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus told him to feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. He kept giving him this, this mission. And at the very end of it, the, the main takeaway we brought from that was that after all was said and done, the message that Jesus had for Peter, that he has for each and every one of us, is regardless of what you did, what mistakes you made, follow me. That's the commission he gave Peter and that he gives to us. That's the word he has for us. He asks us, do you love me? You say, yes, Lord, I love you. Then he would say to you, follow me. After his resurrection, we know that Jesus appeared to the disciples numerous times over the 40 days that he was here. The book of Acts 1-3 tells us that Jesus was on the earth for 40 days and appeared many times. The, the gospels tell us that he appeared uh, in rooms. He appeared suddenly on roads. He appeared on the shoreline, which is where we were uh, or last week in Galilee. And today we're going to look and hear some of the last recorded words of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew. But as we look at this, I want to, again, always give us context to what's going on. I always wonder about this in the Gospels. Why didn't they date things the way we would have done it if somebody was writing an account today? They would have said on November 14th or November 21st at 8 a.m., Jesus appeared. They don't do that in the Gospels. And I always wonder that. Now, I know God knows what he's doing when he wrote the Bible, but I've always wondered, why didn't he give us the chronology? And so today we're, we're going to see them in Galilee still, right? That's where we went. Jesus died in Jerusalem where he was crucified, where he was buried, and where he was resurrected from. And he told them to go to Galilee. And if you look at a map, Jerusalem and Galilee, Galilee's way up north, okay? They're not right beside each other. They're in Galilee. They were told to wait, and we have this, uh, in the book of John, he tells us about them fishing. But then in the book of Matthew, we, we have another section of Scripture in Galilee where Jesus gives them what we call the Great Commission. If you've ever wondered what the church is supposed to do, 
as a whole, as disciples of Jesus, as followers of Jesus, what is this all about? What are we supposed to do for Christ? This section we're going to be in today summarizes it all up. And it wasn't just for the 11, but for all future followers of Jesus. And that's what we're going to look at today. But this is not, I'll say this, this is not the section when Jesus was taken from the earth, when he ascended. We're, we're going to get there soon, I promise. We're getting towards the end of this series. But today is not that section. And I want to clarify that because sometimes we can get this confused. The disciples, as we're going to read, are in Galilee. And the ascension of Jesus took place in Bethany, according to Luke. And if you go look, Bethany's right there by Jerusalem. Not necessarily Galilee. So we need to clarify that just to understand the timeline. We have a 40-day span where Jesus is appearing to people and doing all of these things. And this section takes place in Galilee, which is why I taught these back to back like this. Again, could this great commission we're going to be at today happen right before where we were last week? It's possible. But these two things probably happen together, again, given the 40-day timeline and all of that. We're going to begin reading in Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. It says in verse 16, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. There's so much in those few verses. We, if we were going to do this passage justice, I'd have to preach about four or five sermons. We would need to do a series on this passage. So today we're going to gloss over some of the main takeaways. Before we, One day we'll do a deep dive on this. But right now, I want you all to, to walk away with the main thing that Jesus was giving his disciples. This is how Matthew, the gospel writer, chose to end his gospel. You know, whenever you write a paper in school, you'd always get to the very end. You wanted to summarize everything and hit them with a zinger right there at the end. Usually a good, powerful quote works very well. This is exactly what Matthew does in his gospel. He closes with this great commission that Jesus gives to his disciples. But let's consider this from their perspective. Again, the disciples, they've witnessed all these miracles, all these things. This man who was dead, they witnessed his death. They've seen him resurrected. He's appeared suddenly in rooms. He's appeared to them on shorelines. All these things are going on. Their minds must still be blown at all of this. My mind's still blown with all of this. Think about it for a second. Our God can do anything, right? And Jesus wanted to. He could appear in this room right there, right now. And I'm telling you, that would be amazing. But it would, would kind of, we'd have to process that for a minute, right? If Jesus appeared bodily, physically in this room, and then not only that, if he went and had lunch with us afterwards. Well, that's what he did with the disciples. That's what he did on the shoreline with them. He appeared to them and then ate with them to 
prove that he was alive, that it really was him. And the disciples are having to to process. I can't imagine what what is going through their minds at this. I, I bet they have just as many questions as you and I do every single day about what God is doing and why he's allowing this and that to happen and why hasn't he done this or that. The disciples would have those same questions for us. So looking at this, I look at these verses, and the reason I chose to do this one after last week is because it says when he appeared to them on this mountain, they're in Galilee, where they were last week. John calls it the Sea of Tiberias. It's another name for the Sea of Galilee. Same thing, okay? Jesus appears and they worship. So we know they recognized who this was. And it says, but some doubted. Okay, so if Jesus appears, how could anyone doubt that if they actually saw him appear? This term for the word doubt that's given here, we find it in another place in the book of Matthew as well. If we remember a few weeks ago in our series, whenever the disciples had gone across while Jesus went up to the mountain to pray by himself after feeding the 5,000, you remember that miracle? Jesus feeds them with a few loaves and fishes. Afterwards, he sends the disciples to go across the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And he goes up to be alone on a mountain to pray by himself. And then he comes walking to them on the water during the middle of the night in a storm. And that's when Peter calls out. And they realize it's the Lord. And Peter cries out to Jesus. He says, Lord, if it's really you, command me to come out to you. And what does Jesus tell Peter? Come. And Peter gets out of the boat. Peter starts Walking on water. It would literally be if I started walking off this stage. I'm not going to do it. It would be that miraculous. That's what it would be like. And whenever Peter starts walking out to him, remember, he started to see the waves and the winds, and suddenly he got scared. And the Bible tells us that he began to sink, and he cries out to Jesus to save him. And Jesus immediately reaches out, it tells us. Takes hold of him. And he tells Peter, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? You see, Peter was a believer. Peter believed in Jesus enough to get out of the boat. But Peter was still very human in his thought. He still had moments of doubt and wavering. And how does God respond to his moments of doubt and wavering? we look at last week, how did Jesus respond to his doubts and wavering? With the invitation, follow me. Do you love me? Follow me. Do you love me? Follow me. Every time you mess up, do you love me? Follow me. The invitation over and over and over and over again. Your sin cannot outpace his grace. Every sin for the believer has been nailed to the cross. And is dead. That's what this word, when doubt, means. So they worshiped him, but some doubted. This is, again, miraculous. This is mind-blowing. I think sometimes we read this. I'm guilty of it. I read these things, and I just accept them because it's black and white, and it's on paper. We don't really think about the magnitude of what the Scripture is telling us. These things are unbelievable. It's not in the natural created world. The things that God does are beyond human understanding and human explanation. It calls us to step out of boats and walk on water. That's what faith does. But again, 
It's Jesus. Really Him. He has appeared to them. They recognize Him. And they worship Him. And, and what does He say to them? In 28, look at Matthew 28, the first uh, verse 18 there. When Jesus tells them, He says, All authority. All authority. How much authority is all authority? All authority means all power, all governance, all dominion, all domain, all reign. All authority in all of creation, in heaven and on earth, no matter how far you go, the highest high and the lowest low, all authority for everything has been given to this man, Jesus. This is a declaration that Jesus is indeed the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that he is the sovereign ruler over all things. Jesus is declaring, everything is mine. All authority belongs to me. And what does Jesus do with this authority after he tells them that? All authority has been given to me. And who gave that authority to this man? Jesus. The Father gave this authority to Jesus. Remember, Jesus is both fully a man and fully God, but because of his obedient life, his perfect life, and his willing sacrifice, God has raised him up above all others. All authority of God has been given to Jesus. And with that authority, this is what he tells us, church. With all authority that Jesus has in heaven and on earth, Everything in between, all things belonging to him, he says, go. He is sending you out with his authority. Do you realize that? Jesus says, go. And what does he tell them to do? Go and make disciples. He says, go and make disciples of all people. You should be right there at Matthew. 2819 on the slide. Go and make disciples of all people from every nation. Disciples of all people. Now here's a, a tricky question. If we are to go and make disciples of all peoples, where does that mean we have to go? Everywhere. We are meant to go everywhere and make disciples everywhere you go. You mean when I go to the grocery store? When you go to the grocery store. You mean when I go to drop my kids off at school? When you go to drop your kids off at school. When you go to your job? When you go to your job. When you're coming home from your job. When you're doing anything, you are to go in the name of Jesus. To make of all peoples. And the book of Revelation, I love this. It tells us in Revelation 7, 9, John describes a vision that he has at the end of time. Jesus said, go make disciples of all people. And whenever God reveals a vision of the future to John, John had this to say. He said, after this, I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number. From every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne of the Lamb. When John sees the future, when God reveals this to him, John sees people from every tribe, every nation, every tongue, all over the world before the throne of the Lamb, Christ Jesus. 
You know what that tells me? That the mission that Jesus has sent his church on, did it fail? No. It was a success. Jesus said, go make disciples of all peoples. And then John shows us in the future in heaven, there's disciples from all nations, all tongues, all peoples. This is not only, this is an assurance to us as we go, as we look at this. Jesus intends for us to be the heralds of his good news, to be the bearers of his image. Remember back in creation, it said that God made them in his image. As we go in the name of Jesus, in his authority, we are bearing the image of the risen Savior in us. That's how we go. And he says this, he says, to make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Think about this for a second. Baptize, the word baptize means to immerse, baptizo, literally to immerse. If When you jump into a pool, you know, you jump into the deep end of the pool and you go completely underwater. You are fully immersed in the water. That's the idea, to be baptized, right? And what does Jesus say? He says to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. See, a lot of times we Christians think, oh, I have a relationship with Jesus. But do you realize that because of your relationship with Jesus, you also have a relationship with the Father and with the Holy Spirit? Because of the Son and because of your belief in Him and because of what He has done for you, you are fully united to God, not just to Jesus. It's not as though you know Jesus, but the Father's still far off. It's that you know Jesus, and to know Jesus is to know the Father, and to know the Father is to know the Holy Spirit, and to know and have them all, and you are baptized into them. John 14, 15, and 16, he goes into a lot of explanation of this. When he talks about how I am in them and they are in me, when he prays that in the high priestly prayer, we've talked about this in some previous messages. Baptized, being fully immersed, fully united, fully included into God. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You're united to God in every way because of Jesus. And this is, this is something that, again, when we think about it, it's like being adopted, say, in the name of, which is not just how we end our prayers. Typically, we say we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. But in the name of, when, when a child is adopted, what happens to that child? They enter into a family. The family becomes their family, but they get a new name. Same thing whenever you get married. The wife, it, they become a new family, and the wife takes on a new name to identify this relationship, this unity, this bond they now have. And that's exactly what happens with us and Jesus. When we are given the Holy Spirit, when we believe we are filled with the Holy Spirit who unites us to the Father and the Son, fills us, us, and then them and us, it, you can't get away from God once you're a believer and united to God through Christ. Nothing you do can separate you according to Romans 8. All of this, he says, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have done. 
commandments. And what were the commands of Jesus? There's a lot of them in Scripture, right? There's a lot of commands in Scripture. So let's do ourselves a favor and just look at the most important ones. I think that's fair. When Jesus was asked what was the most important commandment, how did he respond? I think it was Matthew 5, where he said the most important commandment is to love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. What happened with that command? Jesus fulfilled that command. So that's the most important command. Love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength that Jesus has already fulfilled on your behalf and to love your neighbor as yourself. Again, Jesus said, I've not come to abolish the law and the prophets, but to fulfill them. And he did fulfill them. Those commands are fulfilled for you because of Jesus in his name. Now let's look on what was the new commandment that he gave us right before he went to the cross. Remember at the Last Supper, after he washed their feet, he told them a new commandment I give you. That you love one another as I have loved you. So you are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. He told us to go make Baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey all that I have commanded you. And the new command he gave is to love as he loved. That's how the world will identify us as his disciples as we go and make new disciples. Teaching them to obey. But let's be honest. I can't make a disciple. I, as a man, have no power to change the heart or spirit of anyone in this room. You don't have the power to change the heart or spirit of anyone in this room, including yourself. So think about this. Jesus has told us to go and make disciples, but God, um, I can't do that. Lord, these people, they expect me to make some disciples. You told us to go make disciples. Um, I, I can't make Why would Jesus give us a command if we can't fulfill it, right? Why would he tell us to do something that we don't have the power to do by ourselves? Well, the answer is this. He didn't tell us to do it by ourselves. He didn't tell us to do it by our own power. Look at the very end of the verse 20 right here. Is teaching them to obey, teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. There's two ways to see this verse, and both are incredibly important and incredibly uh, critical for us. As we look at this one, he says, I am with you always. That's an assurance of our salvation, amen? That's an assurance that once you have Christ, he is with you always. No matter where you go, no matter what you do, I am with you always. Hallelujah. Because if anybody was going to leave that relationship, it'd be me because I'm prone to wander. I don't know about y'all, but I am. Thank God he is not. So that's number one. It's an assurance of our salvation. But number two is this. It's an assurance of success in his mission. The one with all authority says, go and make disciples. Behold, I am with you always. 
as you go, as you're doing this, when you're talking to that person in public, when you're talking to that person at work, when you're witnessing to your friend, when you're out there, Christ is with you always. The success of Christ's great mission doesn't rest on you, but on Christ who is with you, empowering you, enabling you, giving you the ability, giving you the words, giving you the strength, giving you the faith. Christ said, behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And what a great promise this is, not just for the disciples. He gave this to the 11 to send them out to go. Why are we here today? Because those 11 did go out into all the earth and make disciples. And the only reason you've ever heard of the gospel is because somebody else heard the words of Christ and went as he told them. That doesn't mean everybody's got to become a missionary or a preacher or a pastor. No, you need to go in your life, on your path, as God has a specific purpose and plan and calling for you in your life, in your family, in your job, in your work, in you. God is telling you to go. If you worry about, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to do this. Christ would tell you, hold, I am with you always, even to the end. And because of that, because Christ is with us and in us and living and we are alive in Him, church, we cannot fail. No matter what happens, God said, I will build my church. And if He said He will build it, He will build it. Amen? Amen. Let us go as those whom Christ did. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you today after hearing these great words from your Son, Jesus. This great commission that you have given each and every one of us as believers, as your followers. God, because we love you, we are following you. We have put our faith in you, our trust in you, our hope in you. You have been so good and so merciful to us. And God, as we obey your commands, as we go, as those who have been sent in your name, we ask you to strengthen us, God. We don't know the words to say. Teach us the words to say. We don't know who to approach. Show us who to approach. We don't know how to answer everything. May your spirit give us the words to answer. God, this is your mission that you have brought us into. That we can share others the hope that we have in the name of your son, Jesus. All of our sins have been forgiven. The old has passed away and the new has come. Help us share that newness with everyone always. Move powerfully in us, God. Move powerfully in us as your church and as a body to change our homes, to change our communities, to change our work, to change the world. Just as those 11 went. And look where we all are today. Send us, God. May we go and know that you are always with us even to the end of the age. 
we love you. We thank you. We pray all of this in the name of our Lord, our Savior, and our King, Jesus. Amen.